Welcome to the Life of Faith North podcast, where you can access the latest Sermon of the Week and explore our archive of past messages. To access other resources or view live content, please visit us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Life of Faith North. We hope you will find this message encouraging and uplifting as you listen. excited a little bit. <laughs> Let's just be all honest, right? Let's just throw it out there on the table. So there's some things that I feel like God's placed in my heart to share with you guys this morning. Um, and um, so we'll kind of get to that. But uh, how many of y'all enjoying some of the things that Brad's been teaching about soul, spirit, and body? Caleb? He's awesome, man. Yeah. Caleb, it's first hand there, Brad. It's first hand. That's awesome, man. So, uh, It's been really good. Um, It really gets you to think, you know, how important building our soul is, right? Um, And I know we may have some new people here today, but um, so I'll kind of touch that a little bit um, about the soul and stuff, and I'm going to kind of continue that conversation a little bit, if that's okay with y'all. All All right? So let's, let's talk about the soul. So the Bible says in Thessalonians, it says that, um, God mentions three, we, we are one person, and we have three different parts. <laughs> um, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And according to Thessalonians, the spirit and the soul, Paul makes clearly a distinction between the two, right? So there is a difference between soul, and there's a difference between your spirit. The spirit part of you is that part that God has made new. According to Ephesians, it says that you have been sealed. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you've been sealed into the day of redemption, is the way Ephesians puts it. So the part that he was talking about was your spirit has been made sealed. But it's like you put something in a, in a vase, you put the lid on it, and it's sealed, right? So that part is new. That part is um, uncontaminated. You, you who were spiritually dead, when you gave your life to Jesus and believed on him as your Savior, he came in, and we who were spiritually dead, that is, in our spirit, was made alive unto God. We were made completely new, a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So you, you, you're sealed, right? Amen? <laughs> so your soul, though, and Brad and some people Tuesday said, I should do something on the board. I'm going to point to the board, okay? (laughs) Um, But as you can see, your soul, though, where that differs is is your soul is that part of your mind. That's that part of your will. That's your um, uh, emotions. That's your perspectives. It wraps up into your personality. It wraps up into how you think, how you process uh, things and stuff when that comes that way. But um, that is your soul. That's, that's that, that part, that, that mental, your, your dominant thought processes. Like, what are you dominantly thinking? 
You know, that's, that's where all the soul is. And then the body is this, right? So that was pretty easy, right? So we're going to be talking more about the soul, okay? But um, I just wanted to kind of go over that because I wanted to make sure that we understood that there is a difference between all three. And you are one person, you're one spirit, soul, and body, right? You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, but you are one, right? And they all work together, <laughs> right? Okay, all right, so we're good. So let's talk about the soul just a minute. All right, so one of the things that the Lord, I was asking God, and I was just talking to him, trying to, trying to get in my head, like, hey, what do I want to say today? And, and the Lord's told me many a times, even including this morning, he said, just open your mouth, and I, you're going to be a mouthpiece today. So I'm going to trust God with some things, okay? And we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to tell that, we're going to walk that step of faith. But there's some things that God had put in my heart, though, and I was studying in Proverbs 27, 7. And this scripture says, I'll give you all time to get there. It's better when you can see it for yourself, right? You know that's what changed my life when I could see it for myself. Uh, Proverbs 27, 7. And I will be using different scriptures as we go along, but um, this is one that that the Lord was putting on my heart. And it kind of fits along, I think, a little bit of what he was doing this morning in worship, too. So we're talking about the soul. We're talking about that mind, that will, the emotions, how our processing, our thinking. And Proverbs 27, 7 says that when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, every bitter thing becomes sweet. And that word turn down means literally you trample it down. In other words, you walk on it, okay? So when I was reading this scripture and I was going through the Bible and I said, okay, the, my Bible app, and there's many apps out there that will do it, you can actually search for soul. Uh, even if you get like a Greek or Hebrew con uh, concordance, you can even search for that word soul in the entire Hebrew, and it'll give you every single verse that references it. So I thought, okay, Lord, well, I'm going to be talking about soul, so let's just figure out some scriptures that go along with the soul. How about that? So I came across this one, and this is the one that the Lord had put in my heart and my spirit. But um, your soul, that it says that when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, every bitter thing becomes sweet. So your soul can determine even how food tastes. Right? Wow. Your soul can determine, it says that when it's full, you can turn down even the sweetest honey. But if it's starving, even the very bitter things become sweet. So your soul can even dictate and determine how your food tastes. All right? So check this out. Then this led me to other questions. So I started asking questions, right? And so the, one of the questions that I asked the Lord, and I said, so what does it mean that when my soul is full? Right? Because the, the scripture says that when your soul is full. So obviously your soul can be full. 
It also says that your soul can be starving. starving. So it can be starving as well. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, I need to know what does it mean to have a soul, a full soul, right? So we're asked that question. I'm asking that question to you guys. What does it mean to have a soul that is full? What is, it, what is the difference between a soul that is full and one that is starving? What satisfies the soul or make one's soul full? Right? What makes one's soul full? That's the question that we can ask ourselves. Right? So let me ask you this. Does fame, money, or possessions make one's soul satisfied? Is it about the biggest house you get? Is it about the biggest name that you get? Right? So I got a quick note on that, so that's good. Y'all are with me. You're paying attention this morning. I like it, right? So the scripture that goes along with that that says that, well, what, is, what should it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his own soul? So it's very clear that fame, money, possessions, the biggest car, the biggest house, the best gun... Biggest, the biggest trophy rack, right? Obviously, those things are good, well-intentioned, but, you know, what should it gain if you gain all that but lose your soul? So it means, obviously, your soul being full has nothing specifically tied to each individually thing, one of those things. So y'all want to know, well, what makes my soul full, right? Y'all want to know? All right, so let's look over at Psalms 107. Psalms 107, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 9. And when you get there, say, Amen. Amen. All right, let's make sure you're, you're with me. Psalms 107, chapter 107, verses 8 and 9. And here's your answer. Y'all ready? Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You ready? For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So a soul that is full, a soul that is satisfied, can be satisfied and full because of who God is in their life. For He is the one that satisfies the soul. And He is the one that fills that soul with goodness. A full soul is one who sees the goodness of God and sees Him in their life. That is what it means to have a satisfied soul. It is to know God. And it is to know the wonderful works of his hands. It's to know the promises and the things that he's placed in your life. A soul that is satisfied is to be one with him. No matter how, no matter all those other things are good. You know, when God, you know, hey, I've got a house that God's believing, that God's promised me. But you know what? 
In the end, the house is not what satisfies my soul. You know, I, there, it's not. It's God that satisfies me. It's my relationship with Him. That's what satisfies my soul. Amen? So for those, it says it, says it satisfies the longing soul. <clears throat> Are you all one of those that you're like, going to and fro. Sometimes I get my hands so many in <laughs> so many fires, you know. You're going to and fro, right? You're trying to figure it out, right? You're trying to, you know, and, and you're, you're at that state of, you're like, well, do I do this? Do I do that? And, and the Lord's like, look, let me satisfy you. He satisfies the longing soul. The one that's been searching. You know, he, he satisfies you. So a satisfied soul is a soul that knows the Lord and is filled with his discipline. Can we take a minute there? Father, we just thank you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you're leading us into the paths of righteousness. Thank you, that Father, that you've already saw down the road and you've done seen the things that where we're headed and that the path is good and you're rejoicing and you're joyful. But just thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you've already prepared the things before us, that you've already prepared the table for us, that you've already prepared the meal. And all you're saying, Lord, is for us to come and sit. Come join you at your table. That you've come. It's like Zacchaeus and I'm coming to your house today. That you want to satisfy us with your goodness. Your tender mercies that are towards us. Even though that we don't deserve them. We didn't do anything to deserve them. But because of Jesus and the love that you've shed for us, Lord, you have shown us your goodness. You have shown us your goodness. Let our souls be filled to the top. Let our souls be overwhelming full of your unshakable goodness. That we are confident. That we are victorious. And that there is nothing that will stand in our way because of your overshadowing goodness that you've gave to us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So we know that the soul is the, the mind, the will, the emotions. The next thing that the Lord had showed me was, was what about our perspective, right? What about our perspective? What is that dominant thinking process that influences the majority of our decisions that we make? Right? So the soul, um, you know, in Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your soul is the area in your life that 
dictates um, and influences your beliefs. And your beliefs is what influences your course of action in your life. So my dominant thinking ultimately is going to lead to what I hold as core and true. And that what I hold core and true is going to dictate my actions and the decisions that I make in life. Right? So our thoughts, our influence on our beliefs, and those beliefs set the course to the direction of our life. Um, so I want to ask you again, and y'all feel free to speak, okay? This is not, you know, if you, there's something that you want to point out and the Lord's putting on your heart, then, you know, feel free to share that. But what are some areas, you know, to think of where we have allowed our thought processing to become greater than the thoughts of promise and goodness he's shown us? See, I'm not getting away from the goodness of God because ultimately my thoughts and, and the way that I think, my dominant core beliefs, you know, what, what am I allowing, what area am I not seeing the goodness of God in? that I allow my own thoughts to hold me back. And I allow those thoughts to determine the decisions and the things that I make. Right? For instance, here's an example. Maybe God's put a lot of desires in your heart to do something. This is where I'm going at. This is just an example. But maybe he's put something in, in your heart. There's just desires and there's things. But yet, you always talk yourself out of them. But why is that? You don't believe that you can, right? You don't believe in who, there's an identity issue. There's a goodness of God issue. There's a, there's a goodness in that not, I'm not fully, adequately believing the full potential of what he's spoken over me. Because if I believe what he's spoken over me, then I would get up and I would move and I'd go with it. And so we allow the strongholds of thoughts and we allow those thoughts to hinder the plans that he's placed. God's like, man, let's do this. But yet we, uh, and there could be some, some, there could be some root thoughts there. There could be some, some thoughts that's been there lingering along. Well, my mom and my daddy always said I, I wouldn't amount to nothing. Well, you know that's the biggest lie that anybody could ever tell you. I don't care who your mom and daddy is. Because my God, your father, says that you are the apple of his eye. You are, you, that he sings over you with praises. Right? So his goodness overshadowing. So I ask the question again, you know, what, what are those processes? What are those strongholds? I'm calling them strongholds, but they really are, that are setting you back and holding you back from the full potential and the goodness of God that he's spoken over your life. Because you're better than that. You're greater than that. And it's not just me saying, he's saying it. What is, what's the goodness of God? What, is, what are those deep-rooted things that keep holding you back? The desires that he's gave you, but yet you talk yourself out. Right? So we've got to learn to change that perspective, don't we? We've got to learn to change our reasoning and how we're seeing those things. And, I, and the reason I'm using that word perspective, is, and I'm using that dominant thinking, is because a lot of times what we see and what we hear. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I went home and I watched TV. 
specifically, or, or, or hey, I heard this, or this. It's internally. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What is the dominant thinking, those processes that are, that are happening and stuff? You know, so how do we change that perspective? You know, what does the Word show us uh, when it comes to shifting my thinking? You know, how do I change my perspective or my dominant thoughts? How do I build upon my soul? How do I build? And as, as Brad has, has done a great topic on that, how do I strengthen that soul part of me, right? Well, for one, we have to learn to create a different appetite. He's in a lot of stuff with food, guys, and I really like food, okay? And I think Jesus liked food, too, because, you know, the Lord's Supper? Just, I'm, I'm just It's a joke. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he liked fish fries, right? So, how do I create a different appetite for my soul? All right, I'm going to give you all an example. Okay, dads, moms, it works too. But now that I'm saying it in front of a full room of kids, you might have to wait a little while before you can use it or they might catch on. <laughs> all right? All right, I'm going to give you all an example here. So a few years ago, our, our kids and stuff, um, you know, of course, we got into video games, and they play video games today. And, but they were spending a lot of time in the house. And, you know, I would, I would see where they, you know, would get on YouTube. And, you know, we don't, we don't do YouTube on personal devices. We have YouTube in the living room. And, it, and they, they allow the, you know, there's some good bushcraft, good outdoor stuff. There's good games, things like that. So many years ago, the, I, kept, I kept asking the Lord. I kept saying, okay, Lord, how, you know, and I don't even know if it was the Lord. It was, it was scripture that came to me about this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But. I began to, like, how can I get my kids from being so indoorsy <laughs> and get them outside, right? So without them knowing, I just made a rule in my house. I said, you can't watch anything on YouTube except outdoors, bushcraft, building forts, and that kind of thing. So I made a rule. And I said, I mean, I, you can, you're free to watch YouTube, but it has to be on these topics. So next thing I know, I'm coming home. Here's my kids. They're outside. They're building stuff. And I'm thinking, well, how about that? It actually worked. <laughs> right? And Danielle knows because I showed her what I was doing, you know. But here, so my thing is we have to learn to create a different appetite. Yes. We have to create an appetite for those things of the spirit yes. and not necessarily the things of the flesh. There is a, there's a choice there of creating a different appetite, okay? James 1, and let me, let, me, let, me, let me show you this scripture. In James 1 and 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. James 1 and 21. It says, Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is what? Able to save your Spirit? That ain't what it said. It said soul, didn't it? And so when it says save, if you look that up in the Greek, that's the word sozo. And that word sozo means to save, make whole, heal, and be whole. Right? So when it's saying save, if I want to heal my soul, 
And what, if I take the scripture here in James, what am I doing? I am receiving the implanted word, which is able to what? Heal or save my soul. So if I want to change my appetite, I change what I'm receiving. Right? I change the way I'm hearing. I change the way I'm seeing. I, I learn to um, receive God's word and the things that he's spoken over me. I learn to receive his promises. I look into the law of liberty, the perfect word of God, and I begin to see that mirror of myself as the word shows me. Right? I don't look to the world to tell me my identity. I look to the word of God, and through that mirror of that perfect law of liberty, he shows me who I am. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so we learned to change our appetite. It says that um, the other thing about God's word is that when we receive or accept God's word, our reasoning and our thoughts begin to shift and our perspectives begin to change. You ever, you ever knew that, right? How many times y'all been so discouraged sometimes you come to church and then all of a sudden, Brad or somebody speaks that word and boom, what happened? There was a shift. So we need to sow to that. We need to create a different appetite, Right? So, and, and the reason I say that the word works is because the word, if you read Hebrews 4 and 12, it says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than two, any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. The word of God is so sharp that it can literally separate your, like your soul and spirit. It, can, it, can, it, can, it is that sharp to it can show you, let me keep reading the scripture before I get ahead of myself, but any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word can cut away those things in your life that, that, that are lies. He can cut away those things in your life and he can, can, can begin to reveal to you what is truth. That's how we, that's, that's the appetite we need to create. I want to know more about your truth and I, and I want to uh, build my soul against all the wrong believing and thoughts and lies that I've held on for so long. That's the, that's the shift. That's the changing the perspective. Another scripture to go along with that is 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. For it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, for a long time, I used to, I used to know this scripture really well, and I used to struggle in how I thought, right? I, how I thought about myself. I, I lived in, in a constant place of condemnation and just pulling myself down in shame, okay? And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm casting those thoughts out. I'm casting those thoughts out, and I'm picking it back up, and I'm picking it back up. <laughs> I know I ain't the only one that's done that. But you know where real transformation happens? This scripture doesn't, okay, this scripture does not say just to cast down thoughts. How many of y'all believe in context? Right? You believe in context, right? So you have to take scripture as a whole and put it together. Right? You don't just take parts of scriptures. Right? 
this in context doesn't say just to cast thoughts down. It says to cast them down against the obedience of Christ. It says to cast down arguments against the knowledge of God. And what, it's, what that's saying, and what the Lord spoke to me about that, is that when I cast a thought down, and this is really where it hit, hit me and transformation began to take place, is that when I cast a thought down, I replace it with the truth. I take it captive. Nope, that's it. No more. But it's not, it's not just taking it captive. It's taking it captive and replacing it with the truth and the knowledge of God of who you know him to be. If you believe in his goodness, then you take the goodness and God say, nope, that ain't for me. Well, I'll always be this way. I won't change, y'all. Nope. God says, you're more than enough. I've made you more than conquerors. So you take the truth of his word and you place it against the things that you take it captive. For those that are struggling, maybe you're still struggling in, in your identity, this is where I was struggling. That's where this scripture came. I would, I would begin to say and look in the mirror and say, you're righteous, Josh. So I take that thought captive. You're righteous. So you replace it with the truth. That's building your soul, guys. That's creating an appetite for something different. Amen? The other thing that the Lord was sharing me is to, to be intentional. I got one amen, praise God. Right? Be intentional. Right? I can be intentional in how I think. Y'all believe that? We can be intentional in how we word. Right? You ever thought about that? That people say, well, I can't. Huh? I can't, you know, I can't think about God all day long. Why? You can worry all day long. Why? I mean, worry, so, so we'll just get this out in the open. Worry is fear. Might as well just strip, strip, strip the cosmetics off that. But worry is essentially fear. So I can fear all day long, then why can't I think about God? There has to be a difference in how we shift, and we have to be intentional, guys. Right? The Bible says that Satan, going as a roaring lion, goes to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He's very intentional in what he's doing. We need to be as intentional. And look, guys, we ain't got nothing to worry about the devil. He's been whipped. Been stripped of principalities and powers, according to the book of Colossians. God made a show of him. I mean, literally, that's what it says in Colossians. He made a spectacle of the enemy. You dummy! <laughs> look at what, what, look, you know. And so we have nothing to fear, or we don't have, we don't have nothing to worry. But all I'm saying is, is we should be intentional of the the tool, the things that God has given us, right? So I can worry all day. You know, we can be intentional how we think, right? I could say purple dinosaur or pink. I mean, what happened? You just thought of Barney, didn't you? Right? You just thought of Barney. So you created that picture, right, by me just speaking that. We can be intentional in how we think. And we don't have to allow the things, the lies, 
that, that soul struggle. We don't have to allow that. The, we can have a satisfied soul. We can have a soul that is brimming over the top of God's goodness and his faithfulness. We can learn to be intentional and learn to use the words that he's spoken over us and fill our thoughts fully with them. We can learn and be intentional to do that. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Here's, here's the scripture of intentionality, right? There's a lot of context to this scripture, okay? But I'm just going to quote the two. You go back and you read it. But um, Romans 8 and 5 and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh, you ready for this? Brad kind of hinted at this in the book of James, so I thought it was good. But here's, here's Romans. It says, Those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They set their mind. Right? They set their mind upon the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? Yes. They set their mind upon the things of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Praise God. Now, we are in the Spirit, but we can choose in how we walk differently. And in how I walk is my intentionality of where I set my thoughts. Right? So how do I set my thoughts? He sets his mind. So there's a promise to God's Word. Do y'all believe in God's Word? So there's a promise if I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, what does it tell me? It says to be carnally minded is death, but to be what? Spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. So here's another overshadowing of God's goodness and a soul that is being full and being satisfied with those things of the Spirit. So Colossians chapter 3, here's another one. He says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Here we go. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here's another scripture of intentionality. He tells us what? Set my mind. Shift my perspective. Change my thinking. Take things captive, but not just captive. Replace it with the truth of God's grace, of His grace and knowing the goodness and the favor that he's already spoken. Replace it with the truth of his word. Let him bring in those areas that need life. Let him bring that life. So, so that the truth overweighs and overwhelms all the other things. The sword is cutting away the lies. Cutting away the things, the, the wrong believing. The things that maybe we've not even realized we've done and intentionally programmed our soul or whatever. Let him cut away those things. It's no longer me. Amen? Philippians 4.8. Man, I'm, I'm really getting on the intentionality part, right? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We should meditate on those things. So what is that? What is he talking about? Meditate. He's talking about our thinking. Talking about our soul, okay? 
And then I want to end here with Proverbs chapter 4 and 20 about intentionality. And it says that, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. It says, For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So God's Word, and when we're talking about His Word, we're taking it from a perspective to understand that the words that God is speaking is truth. And that truth that comes in brings life into who I am. For it says that the Word of God is what? Spirit? It's quick. Right? King, or New King James or King James calls it quick. That word quick is life-giving. It's sharp. For the Word of God is living. Actually, New King James translates it living and powerful. So the Word of God is quick. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So when we take God's Word, He's saying, look, son, take my Word. Take my truth. Surround yourself and let me give you a satisfied soul a soul that is full. Take these words and meditate on these things. Let them feel, Let them cut away everything in your soul. Cut away everything that you've been holding on to because the road that I have set before you is a road that is really great. And I want, you know, I mean, it's even, you know, when you think about God, it's not even just the road. It's the goodness of who He is. That's what life's about, really. I'm thankful that God, that there's promises and there's things that he lays out for us and there's a, there's a road that we can walk and, and there's a lot of good he wants to do in our life and a lot of good he will use us and to touch other people. But life in general in itself is just him. It's him, it's the people. You know, it's that love that he has so lavishly placed upon us. That his, you know, David said... Um, let me give you an example here. In Psalm 63, this was when David was in the wilderness, and he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And my soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Think about what David said. He says that your loving kindness is better than life. So what's a satisfied soul, guys? This is eternal life, that they may know Him, God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen? Amen. I hope I've encouraged you guys. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to our Life of Faith North podcast. If you would like to partner with us by giving, please visit our Cash App page. This can be found at cash.app forward slash dollar sign LOF North. We hope this message was encouraging to you today. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.